Welcome to the Mythic Life Podcast. In this podcast, we will be exploring creative and alternative lifestyles with guests who are finding their own paths through careers as healers, artists, entrepreneurs, and teachers, along with exploring topics in the personal development space and developing intuition and metaphysical gifts. Get ready to walk away feeling inspired with some tools that lead a more epic life. Thank you so much for joining us today, Cece. Cece Treadway is a multidisciplinary sacred artist and singer who has been guiding others to unlock their creative and spiritual potential for the past 20 years. A classically trained singer, Cece sang in the Tom Sesa Gospel Choir in Miami for three years. She also writes and performs original music and regularly performs with devotional kirtan artist Radharani. Her solo shows weave together classical folk storytelling and sacred through passionate emotions, creating a rich musical landscape from which to open the heart. I'm so excited for you to be joining us today, Cece. I have known Cece Treadway for about 20 years now. When I first was launching my practice and becoming a teacher, we were really in a a similar pathway in, in New York City and got to really meet and become close friends and do some trainings together. I remember at that stage, you were doing editing in film, I believe. I think you're even working like to work with MTV a little bit and then just went on a rampage of life. Absolutely just going in such a growth into instead of editing, but really launching into your own healing work and your own artistry. So I'm just thrilled to really have you here as our guest today and to explore this pathway of the artist. You know, there's so many old struggles and hardships that artists face. I believe that's really where a lot of your work lies is to really help the creative and artists become empowered and to step into their potential of bringing light into the world. So I I really am curious, what is important about art in this modern era for you? Well, first of all, thank you for that introduction. I really got lit up when you said I went on a rampage of life. For me, it felt like just sort of being thrown around blindly into this uh, a life path that I hadn't I hadn't foreseen. But it felt nice to be kind of I don't know. I felt your respect for the entire archetype, what we have incarnated here to bring, right? And um, that we were kind of creating something new. So when I thought I was going to get married and move to the suburbs and be going to soccer games and stuff like that. I ended up, you know, letting everything go and just packing up my car and driving out west indefinitely and seeing where spirit wanted to lead me. And this is not my personality. I felt it wasn't my personality at all to do things like this, but I kept doing them. So ultimately I was like, <laughs> I guess it is. But anyway, it felt it felt nice to be seen in that and respected in that. And um, so and I also just kind of want to mention how rich it was back in those years, which was kind of like 2006, seven, 
five, when I was studying with you, Eric was also like on a, a theta healing rampage. And I was studying at the Barbara Brennan School, but also wanted to supplement with with that work. And it was just like, uh, it felt like a real incubator, like a spiritual incubator in New York City. And it was really cool to to share that time with you. So why is it so important? What is art bringing right now into our world? And I think for those of us who are in this path, the mythic life path, We're here to learn almost in these like baby steps, baby phase of how to be creators. And so not just making art. I mean, art was, has always been extremely significant. As we look back through time, we can see always through the arts. It's the easiest way to access what was happening in that time in history. Yeah. Anybody can, of any language, right, can look at a a painting or listen to a song and feel it don't understand the language, they can feel it. They're going to be getting the transmissions of that time. So art is always documenting time and consciousness. Yeah. And what I feel that art can bring and what I like to bring is the pure love and beauty of spirit, of God, of creator, wanting to continually foster that sense of beauty on our planet, because uh, I guess there are so many with the tendency to want to destroy it. And my tendency is to want to enjoy and celebrate it and get to know it for, uh, you know, why it was created in the first place. But I think as we, we tap into our own creatorship, we innately understand those things. We innately understand the absolute brilliance and perfection of nature and us as vessels of nature and vessels of spirit co-creating together as part of this larger ecosystem. So I find myself always drawn into that pure potential. And I think sometimes, you know, we want to, we want to capitalize spirit. We want to box it up and and create funnels for what, you know, is being taught to us or, or whatever we have to, but ultimately it's the joy of being with God and feeling like I'm using my body and my talents in the way that they were designed, going into that deeper system of creator and of nature. And so beautifully put. I remember when Sarah and I moved up from the city, it was a big pivotal moment for us as, you know, when I met Sarah, she was writing songs and she was playing some music with her uncle and wanted to pursue it. Instead, she kind of put that side of herself on the shelf and stepped into her partnership with me in healing. And I always felt a a suppression in her heart. So when we came up here to New Paltz, I really wanted to support her of reconnecting to that side of herself and to not have places in her life that felt like were amiss. And we were able to connect with you and and she was able to do your program, the light school, and it lit her up. It helped open up visions of songs that she wanted to do and music videos she wanted to record. And she blossomed and it filled our family and our life with light, even though she wasn't performing to us or like fully out there doing performances yet, just how it transformed her to be in your container was so beautiful. And 
what she was sharing with me was how much you are just such a beautiful channel of truth. And, you know, I'm, I'm wondering, like you trained in Barbara Brennan, you have gone on such a path of not just being like an artist and out there and folk music and like writing, but you have also taken this journey of healing and esoteric medicine and really opening up to also being this incredible channel. What do you feel the bridge is between being a performer and being an intuitive channel? Oh, wow. You just said so much. (laughs) So first I just have to take in, you know, what Sarah, how Sarah felt and how that influenced your family or affected your family. That just means so much to me to hear that and to have supported her in reawakening such the the deep gift of music in her. And, And frankly, she's an incredible lyricist on top of being a beautiful singer. She's really like her storytelling ability was very touching for me. So I, you know, I, yeah, it's really nice to hear that. You, we just are who we are. Right. <laughs> and I think that doing this work, let's say that if I'm in a teaching role, it's like the appropriate platform for all that, for the truth channel to come in. It wasn't maybe all that appropriate, like growing up in my household, <laughs> you know, nobody else was like wanting to see the truth or whatever. And like, boom. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't so easy. Um, but I think when I, um, went to the Brennan, Barbara Brennan school, Barbara Brennan was for those who don't know, just one of the most powerful energy healers and pioneers of energy healing, as we know it today in the Western world on this planet. And the program was four years. So I got to see her do large group healings. Like she would demo healings for us. And she would do these channelings twice a week during our school weeks, which were five times a year for four years. So I literally, every time she got up and she would stand in her own channel of truth for us, my soul would just go nuts. You know, I just, I loved it. I wanted to do it. And so I started studying channeling more in earnest. You know, of course it it might flow through during a session or something like that, but I wanted to be able to stand up and channel like Barbara did. You know, she really was my hero. And so I practiced and practiced and I started channeling and channeling for people and teaching channeling. Like as soon as I graduated, like I was pretty obsessed with it. So I think checking in with my guides and channeling and teaching and all that stuff over all those years, maybe just makes it very second nature when that thing opens and it just flows through, like it's just going to flow through. So the bridge into the arts, of course, is that, you know, whether you're channeling words or music or art or science or math, whatever it is, if it is encoded with the truth of your higher self and of creator and spirit flowing through, you're you're just going to affect people. You're going to touch, touch them on a deeper level than if you were just saying words, spirit could say two words, or it could say a tone. If the transmission and the vibration is completely in alignment with your vessel, your soul, your higher self, your anchor point into this earth you're just really going to affect people. I'm just reading here also some of your background in the arts. There's a lot of more formal training as well. Like you hold a BFA in film from Rhode Island uh, School of Design, studying in the Alvin Alley School of Dance. 
did all this editing and and had a a career in television. When did you first really recognize that that was the path was through through the creative? I mean, I really have to credit my parents for just sort of seeing where my natural talents were and supporting it completely. I feel like I was always doing the arts growing up and doing all of them. And they wanted to make sure that I had as much opportunity as I could to develop it. So they did. And then when I wanted to take a year, I took a year off between high school and college, which is very unusual for my neighborhood. I wanted to just dive into even more of the arts and and figure out where I wanted to go to college because I had so many interests. I didn't know what to choose. So that year I was in New York and I studied dance in New York City and I studied art in New York City and I I worked for my high school art teacher and developed a strong portfolio and um, decided to go to pursue visual arts because I was very sensitive energetically and physically and I just didn't know if I could keep up with the demands of performing as like a lifestyle. And I felt like for my introverted nature, which is half the time... (laughs) I could consistently show up for visual arts and actually support myself. I mean, that was like a practical decision. Plus I was very inspired when I would go visit RISD where my brother was at RISD and I would go there and like be in this creative, like everyone was so wild and just following their instincts. That's the thing. I went to art school. So when people are like, how do you follow your creative pulse? How do you do that? Like RISD taught me, we didn't have a second to question it. We had so much work. We barely slept. We were just making art four years without, you know, and everything else went by the wayside. And so I learned how to trust my creative instinct above anything else. Really, I trust it more than anything else that I have. And then comes that place of the societal expectation of like, okay, how do you create a career out of this? And that's really when we met was like, you were in that place of more editing. What helped you break free of that concept? Oh God. Well, I mean, I'm still breaking free of that concept. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? I was editing, right. And I was editing for these big companies and I had reached the top of like the top of my game there. That career was also supporting going to healing school. So I was developing my healing and, and just for the record, like always been spiritually open, always been into healing from the time I was born, had was born in a spiritual environment. So it wasn't like I had a big awakening. All of these interests were going on at the same time. So I knew I wanted to shift out of editing at a certain point because I was bored and because I wanted something maybe a little bit more meaningful. But during the crash of 2008, it was kind of like I just had to quit because the jobs dried up. And then all of a sudden, my healing practice filled. So my career switched really fast and I was really overwhelmed actually at my healing practice becoming my main job at that time because I felt so isolated and I ran my practice out of my apartment. And I guess there were less of us then, and maybe I was so in the juju, but my my practice filled really fast and I did not have the support or infrastructure to support something like that. And so So it really felt like I went from one career to another and like, then healing had to be the thing. Then all of a sudden I had this healer identity and healer archetype, which to be honest, made me really miserable. (laughs) And then trying to monetize that and make a living out of that. And then you're seeing the difference you're making for people. So, I mean, like saving people's lives one after the next, 
And then I couldn't walk away from it because of, because of the level of fulfillment and the difference I was making, but it was very hard for me. So I almost feel like I struggled as a healer more than I struggled as an artist with feeling boxed in. An artist, I felt very free to do whatever I wanted. But as a healer, it was like I had to take care of myself like I was a nun, like I was a monk. If I didn't like self-care, you know, seven hours a day, I couldn't show up with presence to my clients the next day. Then all of a sudden I was also running a business. I was creating classes and I was having to manage all of these other aspects that I never had to think about before. And I was not good at it. So then I'm studying marketing, I'm studying all these things. And then as this is going on, social media and everything blows up. And all of a sudden the game, I thought I had mastered to a certain degree enough, became this whole other thing. And there was millions of people with their newsletters and their everything and marketing became almost more important than the healing itself, you know? And I was like, I don't know where I fit in, you know? And then the millennials came, like, it was, it's just like, it was very confusing for me, to be honest. And absolutely this journey of life, like even with feeling that intuitive ability, like it still feels like this abstract bouncing through life, doesn't it? Being a pathfinder really is being a pathfinder. It is going through the mystery. And that led you on quite a journey. I I remember when you um, relocated to Sedona, I think you even took a little hiatus from things. You're living out like out in nature a bit. I was with some, I was engaged. I was like, I'm going to do the thing now. I'm going to forget this crazy healing world and like you know, just babies and walk the dog and like, whatever, it didn't happen. (laughs) So this sense of like a mythic life, I I think Joseph Campbell really outlines the hero's journey a lot of how we really are all different archetypes of the hero in different ways. And that there is a sense of calling. And then there is the, the great adventure of life that we go through and we get to experience life. As intuitives, you know, we always hear these stories of, for me, it was like, oh, it's time to leave your hometown of Santa Cruz. You don't know where you're going to go. And it, and I always say, I heard this, this voice say like, leave Santa Cruz, be to a certain place by a certain date and not know where that was going to lead me to. That intuition can come through so many voices. It can come through so many different manifestations. How do you take action? on your intuition? How do you hear that calling and make choices for yourself as as a creative? Yeah, that's a great question. There's so many systems out there right now that are telling you how you should listen to yourself or this and that. And I, for me, I, I receive guidance in many ways. You know, sometimes it's literally a voice in my ear telling me what to do. And other times just my body starts moving in a direction. I go. And other times, you know, I might get a a sign from nature. Other times it might be in a dream. Spirit wants to communicate with you however it can. And sometimes even in a feeling of confinement or suppression or sickness, right? Mm-hmm. Like there can be so many ways when things are happening, do you have an internal mechanism for it? Like how do you find that you digest the message? I'm not sure if there's one way. Yeah. It happens. Sometimes I will take action on guidance right away. And other times it's a slow burn, you know, years of developing something. But I always like to give the example of like one time I had this dream 
with this beautiful deer that came to me and I was in a prison and the deer lay its head on my lap. And she looked up at me with these eyes, like her eye was huge and it was full of so much love. It was so, so touching. And as I stared into her eyes, I melted. And as I melted, the the jail cell melted and turned into trees. And I was so struck by that dream. Like I never forgot it. And then a year later, I heard, you have to paint that deer. You got to start painting some of these things that you're experiencing. Otherwise, it's just going to stay unmanifested and it's going to drive you crazy. I hadn't painted in a long time. This was, I don't know, I, I was living in Miami I was running my mystery school. I thought everything was going pretty well. <laughs> and then spirits like, yeah, you got to start painting. And I was like, oh my God, I can, another thing, you know, in my life that I'm supposed to do. So I did it. I started painting and it took me a year to paint this deer. It's an oil painting, it's large. I wanted to make it good. But when I was done painting the deer in the woods, this magical scene, my life changed very quickly. And I heard, and I'd always wanted to live in Woodstock, New York, where I live now. I always wanted to live there and ended up living in a million other places and never could get here. But after, like, as soon as I completed the deer, my entire life turned upside down. And I heard like the loudest voice in my ear. That's what I say. Like they, they use a, it can, it can be a slow burn, right? I said, it's time to move into your cottage in the woods in Woodstock, go on Craigslist and find your, your cottage. I was like, whatever. That's impossible. Anyone trying to find a little cottage in Woodstock is like, you know, it's everyone's dream. And it's, <laughs> I tried many times, you know, but I went on Craigslist. I was like, when you hear it that, that loud, you know, <laughs> I saw a cottage. There was like one available in my price range. I was like, everyone's going to, you know, want this. I called the landlord, left him a message. I was like, listen, I'm, I'm in Florida. I'd like to see this cottage. I can fly up today what are my chances of getting this cottage? You know, if we, if I see it tomorrow, we, would you hold it for me? And he was like, yeah, you know what? I will. And I was like, what? Because that, that to me was like, all right, angels are on my side. So I flew up. I looked at the cottage. I got the cottage. I still live in the cottage. That was over five years ago. And my whole life, the whole life I'd always seen for myself in my visions and fantasies started to unfold. It took 20 years for that vision, the vision of living in the cottage in the woods and painting and singing and being in community and all that stuff. 20 years for that vision to manifest in reality. And it started through a dream of a deer putting its head on my lap. And then bringing it through in this beautiful painting that took you another year. That's so powerful. It, it, I, she's on my, uh, my mantle now. I look at her every day because she reminds me of the the truth of my visions and that we can, there's, you know, with the law of attraction, again, we try to make it a capitalistic system, but the law of attraction, I don't know if you ever heard of Matias de Stefano, he's so brilliant, but he just says, you know, the law of attraction is one law amidst many laws. There is the law of rhythm, which is the timing of things, you know, so we get planted with these visions. And some of them, they are like time capsules that once you activate them, they start unfolding and setting up your life in, in this, this magical way. But that track was written already. You'd, you already knew that track inside, but the deer was the time capsule on unlocking that timeline for me. So that's what I like also to help my clients understand, you know, is how, how to really surrender into their 
timelines, how to access that deeper wisdom or the deeper language that's being communicated to them through their soul that they've already written for themselves and starting to follow that, that track with patience, you know, and then other times you're going to get an inspiration. You're going to get, someone's going to call you, someone's going to this, that, and you just, boom, you go, you know, like that moment I was sitting on my floor in Miami, heartbroken. I just broken up with the man I thought I was going to marry, yada, yada. And like, I hear this loud voice, go in crisis, get your cabin, move to New York now. And within a month I'm living in New York in the dead of winter, grieving this relationship, you know, his children who I was like all this <laughs> stuff screaming in the middle of the night, but knowing I was on the path of my life, you know, willing to go through that dark night of the soul because I trust it so deeply in this creative unfolding of, of my life's fulfillment, you know? Wow. What a journey. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> and now in this sense of community, tell me more about light school. Cause I hear like you're, you're this healer, this place of, of service, you have clients, but then you also are doing your art, you're painting, you're performing. What is light school? Well, light school was something I created while I was at the Barbara Brennan program. It was my senior project because I was just always obsessed with how spirituality and creativity work together. How is, how are your guides? How is God? How is your, your soul pulsing you to create? You know, I, I was dissatisfied with how art had become so devoid of spirit, you know, after the age of rationalism or whatever it was, you know, I used to know the timeline of like when spirit was just taken out of art and became uncool. In fact, in the art world. And here I was this like, just deeply, you know, like remembering my past lives and like, I'd make all these art projects about my spiritual journey. And I was the only one in the nineties at RISD. Now you go back to RISD. Everyone's like me. I was like, oh, I should have gone, you know, now. <laughs> so my mission was really to, to bring, to create or allow a method to come through that would inspire and invoke people's sacred connection to God and their creative potential. So these curriculums were basically designed to do just that and bring a group of people generally from like six months to nine months to create a project, whether it's music, art, writing books. And I just lead them through a series of exercises and sometimes bring in teachers and we work all the emotional stuff, resistance blocks. We perform together. We take risks creatively Pre-COVID, we had a lot of retreats. And so I've graduated many classes of incredible healers and artists who who want to do exactly what, you know, what I did, which is to start bringing forth into the physical some of the wildest and most amazing things they're experiencing on the spiritual planes. Mm. You know, and how to cultivate that, how to how to trust it. And in supporting these artists. Can you give us an example of what some of those blocks or hardships look like? Like what, what, what is the artist struggle with to be able to bring their art in? Artists, it's, first of all, there's different kinds of artists, right? So we'll start with the one that generally is overwhelmed. Let's say a more ADD style artist who's got a lot of things going on. They don't know how to, how to embody any of their creative ideas and actually follow it through. So that's one one type and and what we do to help that is to really bring all their the parts of themselves 
and their spiritual bodies into alignment to connect in with what, like aligning their will and their talent with creator's will. Because when we feel like we're actually doing the path the creator has set up for us, then we know that our synchronicity and our orchestration can actually happen. Because creator's vision for your life always involves other people and other things. Always has a larger mission to make a positive difference for the world in some way. So when you align your soul and your energy into creator's embrace and design for your life, then you can trust the direction to choose. Many artists have too many good ideas. Yeah. So we can also trust that with all these ideas, there's actually a lot of other people having the same ideas. We think we're very unique, but we're not actually as unique. <laughs> we are and we aren't, right? But creator has these, has the vision. He downloads them into many people sometimes. Who's going to pick it up? So if you pick up the one that's just the most aligned with you, knowing that you're you're going to connect with these 10 people who he's also downloaded an aspect of that vision with, and then somehow you find yourselves together working on something or it, you know, it, it manifests later, even in three, four years, it can come back trusting what's coming through when, when spirit gives it to you and meeting it and doing it. That's another part. So just really like, if you get that flash of inspiration, like years ago, I had a spirit just downloaded the song to me in Spanish. And I, I was like, Oh, this song sounds different. I'm writing in Spanish. Okay. I wrote the song out. I did it in like three minutes. It was so different from the others. I performed it a lot, but then it was only in this last year that I played that song for an incredible theater director who was writing a play called Luminous. And she heard the song and went absolutely bananas and was like, you have to put this in our show. So I ended up seeing the song as the finale of the show for sold out shows, four in a row with 150 people with each show in an enormous cave in Rosendale, New York, singing, literally channeling God for all these people, which was a vision I'd had. <laughs> But that song was given to me seven years ago for that moment. So it could collaborate in this communal um, Samhain ceremony, ceremony for the ancestors in New York. It's like, we just, it's just crazy. So that, so that's one aspect. I love how you um, really articulated that of taking these in a way, these fractals, these levels of the energy body and, and putting them into alignment. Like it's a resonance of a tuning fork that needs to be harmonized in order to allow for a spiritual message to channel through into their creativity. I, I've found that with supporting people also in entrepreneurship, like you have a creative impulse for a certain service or business method uh, that needs to come through. And, and it doesn't just come to one person. It's like it is a download onto the planet. And I really appreciate how you're bringing in the sense of, of timing to it as well. Sometimes things will sit there and wait for the right opportunity. But that's also a thing that intuitives struggle with is sometimes we get the message a little early. Almost always. <laughs> so <laughs> when it comes through, how do you, how do you navigate that, that timing? I, I, I do my best not to. Um, mostly I kick and scream and, and yell and get upset when things don't work out how I want them to work out. I mean, I don't want to, I'm not trying to like say I'm an expert. I go through the same frustrations. I just think it's good that we have each other to like, be like, what's going on? Because I still do that. I was doing that before this interview this morning. I'm yeah. like, you know what? 
I've been trusting, I've been this and not, you know, like I, I throw tantrums and now I'm fine with it. I'm like, I'm just gonna, it's, it's tantrum day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I really have ups and downs. I know how to navigate my ups and downs, but yeah, I just, I just don't want to give the message to people that like, Oh, just cause I've done all this work now. It's like this boom, boom, boom. No, it's, it's still a hot mess. A lot of the time, you know? And uh, would we have fun if it, if it weren't? <laughs> but I also wanted to br- to bring into focus the artist who feels like an artist, but they have lost touch with their creative pulse very, very deeply. And so we spend a lot more time getting them in touch with that. They're not having a million ideas. They sit down and nothing happens, right? But yet they feel, they want their essence. They want who they are back so badly because they were taught at such an early age over and over and over again through actions and through words that who they were naturally wasn't going to work in the world. There wasn't a place for it. Right. So that's a different process for unlocking their creativity. And we're going to, it's a longer process, Mm. right. Where we do a number of things, both with energy work, with channeling, with my, you know, with art, art, creative exercises, with working through the trauma of being of hiding themselves so deeply. And I, I always also recommend they do a lot of things in person, dancing, you know, just things that physically unlock it. Some people do medicine ceremonies, you know what I mean? Like there's those people need a little, a little bit more to actually start accessing their true essence, to feel safe in that. So we create a very safe container for these incredibly, they're like, it's like a newborn baby, you know, coming out into the world and you as the healer or guide coach, get the opportunity to, to love and support them in the ways that they just didn't get when they were younger. Yeah. The artist and the muse. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. When you hear that term, the muse, what is a muse to you? Oh, well, first of all, like I literally am always inspired. Life is a muse to me. I'm definitely one of those have the 3 million ideas, like have to get into my body and, and lean into creator's will, right? Because I'm I'm completely and totally inspired all the time. But I, I would say the muse can show up for me generally in the form of like, if I see someone else doing something that just lights me up so, so deeply. And then how I might lead clients is I actually have, you know, exercises that bring people spirit guides who are muses to start singing to them, writing to them, giving them colors. We work in trios of muses. And so there's always angels out there who are ready to come and inspire a human. You call them, they're going to come. You cultivate that through meditation and through spirit and through practices, creative exercises with them. You're, I mean, honestly, working with people in the light school program, it's no time at all. One evening of these exercises and they're all downloading, like starting to download masterpieces. It's happened again and again. It's it's not actually that hard to do. I know another side of the work that you've done before is also helping people shift out of mindset and consciousness from the influences of negative mindsets and, and entities and working on that aspect as well like do you find that sometimes artists can become distracted with more of those pain places from trauma instead of it blocking but also like creating a hardship or corruption to their art in that way 
I mean, absolutely. And when I when I first started the the light school programs, it was addressing that exact problem. I felt I was like an artist living in the East Village, New York, right? Seeing a lot of self-destruction. There's a lot of drugs. There's a lot of, you know, those kind of things. And I wanted people to understand they could create from a good place, um, from a loving place. But as far as doing that work of clearing the field and of all these negative influences, I mean, absolutely like that's a whole section of healing work that you and I know a lot about. And that does absolutely come into my client work. I actually don't advertise it that much because as soon as you start talking about it, I'm, I get flooded with people wanting that work. And I, I can only, you know, I'm not, I'm sort of, it's incorporated yeah. into what I do, but I, I try not to make it my specialty, <laughs> but yes, these fields of energies can create so much trouble. That tuning, right? So realigning to a different message of, you know, finding that other creative impulse into more that place of light sounds like is a major focus with you and your clients. The, the focus is on integrating. So in other words, I want, if people are, are stuck in pain, I want them to access the true pain. I want them to feel the truth of that pain and create from there. What is that pain wanting you to see? And a lot of times the creative process is going to show us the deeper thing that our spirit is trying to get us to see through the pain. And because we can be really honest in the creative process in a way that maybe we aren't in our heads. When I first started writing music, it was because I was suffering so, so much. I was in so much pain and singing, writing the words out of that pain helped me see what I was really looking for, helped me admit the amount of love that I needed and wanted. And all of my first songs were about just wanting love so badly. And I would sing them and sing them to people. I would get up, you know, and open mics or in healing school. And I would sing these songs from the depth of the truth of just how much I was hurting. And so many people, of course, would resonate with it. So that's how, you know, I want to work that, use that pain to help bring healing and shed light and give actually the healing response to both the artist and the audience. But if we're just churning in negative energies and, you know, twisted kind of distorted stuff that a lot of our entertainment indulges itself in, then we're doing the world a disservice. And that is how I feel. We have a huge responsibility in the arts, a huge responsibility as we are literally, you know, creating the Akashic records for the time we're human beings are very vulnerable. <laughs> we're just, we're very vulnerable. So I believe very strongly in understanding how the energetics work. They are spells. They are magic. They are going to create a reality. So if I see a student who starts spinning out too much on a negative concept, they're going to create that in their lives over and over times 10, if they bring it into their creative work. So we want to spin that work deeper into the truth, into the healing. I want them getting the healing for that pain. I want them getting the resolution through their work. And when we had people writing books, everybody who wrote books in that, it was a nine-month program, whatever you know problem they came in with in their books, whether they're writing about their family or something in their life they want to resolve, they resolved it through writing the book itself and their life changed. All of them had deep healings in their life as a result of the exploration that they expressed through their writing. And they all wrote books, like full, full books. Amazing. Yeah. I really appreciate 
that relationship to where people might be that it's something that is meant to come through for a reason. Like even the hardest moments of our life have meaning and have teaching in them. And that if we just sit in it rather than really allowing ourselves to go through it, then we'll stay sitting in it. It can stagnate. I've seen so many people sit in pain and trauma and want to get away from it rather than really looking at it and embracing it. And that as we move through it, then it's not that revolving door of staying in it. Actually, life does have chapters that we move through and change and evolve and mature, you know, like for me, it's been quite the epic road of like going through challenges out of my adolescence into having to step into creating a healing practice. And I was like, yeah, this is so great. And then it collapsed, you know, my practice literally flatlined and, you know, the universe is like, it's time for change. As soon as I took change, then it had the opportunity of healing. But until I was accepting of the situation, it wasn't going to change. And that's the thing in this mythic life to continue to grow is a very potent experience of embracing, not just the light and the fun fluff, but also like realizing that life has this capacity, this, this full range of, of experience. So you did this performance with luminous and there's, it seems like there's a lot kind of really manifesting in this sense of community right now. You know, the, the world's going through so many changes right now. How important do you find having community is for the artists? I mean, for me, it's everything. I think artists need their alone times to create, but unless we have a larger context, then it can feel like what point? Yeah larger context are the, the people in our, in our lives. And I think if this pandemic taught us anything, it's the value of our communities and how we show up for each other and how we take care of each other. Yeah. I, you know, I just absolutely love singing with my besties performing and, and the, it's so it's an easy, easy flow here in the Hudson Valley where we live. There's so much creative energy. There's a lot of people who moved up from New York City. There's also a lot of people who came from other places or who were born and raised here. And there's a really, there's a thriving creative community and appreciation for the arts. It's one of the reasons I wanted to be up here. It's because it could have a variety of things. I wasn't moving in the middle of nowhere. I was moving into kind of a sophisticated, creative environment that valued nature and community that, you know, I could also pop into New York City if I needed. There's something in the water, isn't there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah <And> minerals. <laughs> Wood- Woodstock was originally an artist community commune in a way, you know, not like the musical place of Woodstock. That actually wasn't where Woodstock was. But, you know, my, my ex-wife's father was an abstract artist and was in New York City and he moved up to the area and built a house there in Woodstock and like that era in the fifties and sixties was like, 
it was a epicenter of music and art. Yeah. yeah. We all we all wish we were here in those times because they talk about <laughs> it. The old the old hippies, they talk about it all the time. I bet. Yeah. But it feels like there's a trend right now that feels similar to that era, I feel. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're in a renaissance post-pandemic, right? For sure. We were so isolated. So now all we want to do is create together and be together. <laughs> yeah. And then a movement to embracing free will. I really have found that with a lot of people I've been working with is that need to really embrace the sense of free will and and to regain sovereignty over their lives. I love that. Yeah. So I'm so excited for this journey. I really appreciate so much you joining us today, Cece. This has been a, a beautiful exploration of, of this path of being this channel and support of service and creative place. So thank you so much for joining us today. Um, for all of our listeners, for more on CC Treadway, you can go to lightschoolarts.com to explore more. And you can also reach out to her through Instagram as well at CC Treadway. We are Mythic Life, free thinkers, deep feelers, courageous trailblazers. We own our myth with our vibes, how we think, feel, and act. We believe that love is a given, not something earned, that spiritual is sexy, kindness is cool, and earth is sacred, that everybody has superpowers and life is too boring without magic. We walk our talk and when life gets real, we heal. We choose our path and make it epic. Thank you so much once again for joining us today, Cece. Thank you so much, Eric. This was wonderful. I really appreciate it. It was so much fun. So much fun. Absolutely. And thank you, everybody, for joining us today. We'll see you again soon.